building professionalism across business aviation, with insights from three individuals whose efforts in that regard were recently acknowledged with the prestigious industry honor. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Established in 2015, the NBAA Dr. Tony Kern Professionalism and Aviation Award recognizes individuals who have demonstrated their outstanding professionalism and leadership in support of business aviation safety. The award is modeled on the integrated model of professionalism developed by Dr. Kern that focuses on professional ethics, vocational excellence, selflessness, and continuous engagement, among other tenets, which when combined help to establish the professional mindset. Nine business aviation professionals were recognized in 2020 with this award, and I'm pleased to welcome three of them today to discuss their individual approaches to their roles within our industry and how they help foster professional attitudes. Erica Armstrong is Vice President of Business Development for Advanced Aircrew Academy and author of the book A Chick in the Cockpit, who's also established a formidable presence on social media. Christopher Bing is safety manager for RT Flight, the flight operation for Raytheon Technologies. And Mitch Lawness is the owner and an instructor pilot for international operations training provider 30 West IP. Erica, you've shared your expertise from your time flying for both commercial airlines and in business aviation across several channels. You often reference the pilot brain and how it thinks differently when compared to others. Please tell us a little bit about that concept and particularly how it applies toward how we respond to emergency situations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, the pilot brain is a fascinating brain. There's a couple of things that led me down the path of paying a little bit more attention to how the pilot brain learns and functions, and especially during an emergency, how those functions change. So um, I'm adopted. And so I grew up with this fascination of what of a person is born, what is what is created. So the same thing goes for a pilot. How much of us that we lean towards that aviation industry, how much of that is innate in our, our brains and what of it um, is learned what you know as for our, our environment you know how do we make those decisions to, to go into aviation and the second thing that happened is after about a dozen years of flying in business aviation i decided to go to the airlines and i got hired into the 727 but as a flight engineer so after all those years of flying i now had to sit back and just run the systems, which was fascinating, but now I couldn't fly the airplane. And of course, you know, pilots want to fly. So I decided to spend my time back there, kind of being a voyeur, watching the flight crew ahead of me, watching them communicate, you know, and what works well as a captain and first officer, um, and then watching during an emergency, you know, what makes a successful outcome besides, of course, you know, not dinging up metal, but, you know, watching an emergency happen, what elements of the actions from both pilots create a safer outcome. So kind of that immersion of all those topics kind of brought into my focus to watch. I think it was last year, Drexel University did this cool study. They hooked up pilots to brain monitors during an, during an emergency and during just normal functions. Um, they kind of reinforce something we already know is, you know, we go into the simulator and we do all of our road memorization and emergency procedures, but the brain knows that it's safe. You put that same pilot in the in an airplane, even just during normal procedures, and it accesses the information on a different pathway. So, you know, the startle effect, um, all the anomalies that happen with an emergency, how do we go back and train pilots for 
all the variables out there. Because I don't know about you, but every emergency I've ever had has never gone the way the checklist says it's going to go. So how do you train for everything? So, um, you know, we could spend eight hours just talking about that, but that's kind of where my focus is. And, and going back and analyzing emergencies and going way back then to the very beginning and saying, what could we have done for that pilot to train them to think on a different level during any emergency. So that's kind of my side hobby that I that I study and want to be able to bring that out to the rest of the aviation world. And I get to do that with my social media. Mitch, we've seen a lot of changes with international operations over the past year. What are some of the impacts you've seen from COVID-19 on international ops? And how have they affected pilots' abilities to maintain proficiency and professionalism? I'd love to talk about that. But first, I want to just say Erica's topic is fascinating. Being in the training business, she's really exposed an uh, area of interest to me. So thank you for that. In terms of international ops and COVID, this has obviously been a challenging year for everybody. And folks have responded in different ways. And the simplest way for a lot of departments or, or pilots has been to decide that if they're not flying very much, particularly in an area that requires a lot like international operations, they would change their training cycle and, and perhaps train during the time that they had, even though it wasn't on the schedule, and even train on topics that they normally wouldn't because they've got the opportunity. But we have seen some operators do some real clever stuff, prepare simulator scenarios uh, so that they can take advantage of an opportunity to get into the simulator and do some contingency procedures as they recently changed and practice the operational part of it. And we've also seen flight departments do mock trips where you'd see this in the military uh, ages ago, we would do things called alerts. Well, they would just wake everybody up and say, we just got a trip to Kuwait and we need to plan this trip. And they would incorporate their flight planning group and all the vendors that were a part of that. And they would see what the challenges are in the COVID environment to react to an immediate requirement to some place that they weren't ready to go to. So, there's a lot of things that you can do. It's just limited by your imagination. And it really has a lot to do with how much time you have. Some flight departments are staying active domestically, while others are doing, a lot of our clients are doing very little flying. It's a greatly reduced schedule. Chris, please tell us about your experiences with a large flight department, particularly in light of the pandemic. And are there any lessons that flight departments of any size may draw from those experiences? Absolutely. So the biggest thing is that, you know, any flight department, there's people with natural talents. So whether that's ASAP, FOQA, security, computers, people normally have a natural talent. And so for us, I think one of the biggest things was having is Bayo, having a reporting culture. But ultimately, through that, you can network. I've been a big member of our Northeast Safety Roundtable. So whether you're a small department or a large department, there's already somebody who's already gone through that same sort of situation. I guess part of that, the quote I was told very early on is don't reinvent the wheel if it's already been invented. That there's a flight department that's already gone through a FOQA issue, security, a COVID situation with a pilot or air crew member already being diagnosed. They've, they've already worked through that. We don't have 100 people or 200 people in your safety department. So there might only be one or two if you're lucky. But by benchmarking with other flight departments, you'll find out that you're not the only one going through that situation. We'll have more in just a moment, but first, a message from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, you get your weekly news here. Are you getting the latest daily headlines? The NBAA Insider Daily News Service puts the news you need in your hands every weekday morning, free of charge. Don't miss out. Subscribe today at nbaa.org daily. 
We're back now with Christopher Bing, Mitch Lawness, and Erica Armstrong, who were among the nine recipients this year of the NBAA Dr. Tony Kern Professionalism and Aviation Award. Before the break, you each touched on aspects of your work that speak directly to the themes of this award and to the overall importance of maintaining a professional mindset. Now, something that strikes me about each of your backgrounds is how you've also applied that attitude in areas that may not seem readily obvious when we think about professionalism in our lives and careers. For example, Erica, you frequently engage with your followers on social media on a variety of safety-related aviation topics. You know, you all know aviation is just a deep well of, of topics and conversation. And every day there's a story that comes to the newsfeed that's that's worthy of conversation, especially in the safety aspect. And there's a lot of platforms out there, you know, have you know very professional conversations. You know, it's important to, to share that information, share the challenges out there. When I first started, I I just have to back up and just say I just I did not like social media. I had just a Facebook page just to share with my family who lived farther away. But because I didn't like it, I, I wanted to be able to control and change maybe how we use it. So to be able to put out safety concerns and conversations out there, change the way I viewed social media and how, the, how powerful it can possibly be. So anytime there's an accident or incident, to be able to go through and share with the community, hey, this is what happened, especially we're watching the challenges change. Of course, right now it's automation that we're, we're trying to create that balance, um, being being able to use and understand all the functions of automation, but then not losing those raw skills. Um, the industry is aware of it, right? But, but what are the actual solutions that we can do? And those answers are in the pilots out there. And so to give them a platform for, for them to share their information is hugely important. Too often, information is controlled by one media platform and it's dispersed out there. This is a great way for everybody to get that feedback. You have to grow some really thick skin to use social media out there because pilots are full of opinions. But if you are able to sort through, filter through some of that out, there are some wonderful ideas on how to fix some of the challenges that we, we face in aviation. And it changes as our technology changes equipment, the way we train pilots, will always be dealing with challenges. It's never ending. So to be able to be fluid and to change the topic and the platform of what we're talking about, that's, that's a great way of using social media in the safety aspect. Mitch, in a recent profile in NBAA's Business Aviation Insider publication, you emphasize the importance of volunteerism throughout your company. Why is that important in fostering professionalism? Well, it really relies on all of us trying to work together to share information, a lot like what Erica mentioned, and then a little bit about what Critch mentioned with benchmarking. If you volunteer, if you get out and work with a local pilot group or chief pilots roundtable or any one of the number of NBAA groups that's out there, you get to see how other operators work. And that's really kind of key to what Coney Kern was talking about. He, he always tried to guide us to identifying better ways to manage our operations and ways to eliminate risk, discipline, and trying to reduce our exposure to risk. And a lot of times you really see that when you work with other people. And we see it in all kinds of groups. I was in a regional forum for eight years as a member of the board directors, and we fed information across the board to each other about operations. It was critical. So there's, you don't have to participate in one platform. It could be social media. So what we did with our group when we started this business is we started doing webcasts. 
and we would talk about topics as they changed. And it's not a lot different than what Erica was talking about. We tried to create collaborative discussions, something like what we're doing right now. And soon met up with a guy named Mark Z, who's with the ops group, and he was doing the same thing. So we actually, like the ops group, run two different models. We've got a business model on one side, and then on the other side, we have a forum where we just try to get information from anybody. We make it available on YouTube to uh, review after it's done. We take questions and inputs, and the impact on us has been tremendous because what we do is we get feedback from the FAA to guide us to say perhaps that's better said such as this or that. And we get information from other operators. The ops group does it with chats and they have a chat side that's completely free and then they have their product. And that's kind of the future. And I don't know a lot about social media, but I think it's striking on what Erica's saying is try to have a conversation with a bigger group of people. Try to move out and see what other people are doing and see what they think about what you're thinking. And building on that theme, Chris, your company was part of a merger last year. What lessons came about from that process of joining together two flight departments? So both flight departments, a uh, long legacy of history. Flight department that I came from, we have over 90 years of being a flight department, probably one of the longest corporate flight departments out there. But at the end of the day, everyone there, they want us to succeed. They want to be part of an organization. And that all is helped and encouraged by our management. I'm fortunate that I knew my new executive director previously, just through recurrence through the industry. So there already was a, a, a very strong relationship. We closed at the beginning of April. So to merge two flight departments in the middle of a pandemic is a pretty much a Herculean task for everyone that's been involved. But ultimately, that support has been uh, outstanding. But something that's really guided us with that is both flight departments are as bay as stage three. So for the most part, a lot of things that change are glad to happy, happy to glad. But it's given a nice kind of benchmark to kind of guide us in that discussion. So it's it's not us versus them. It's kind of that says, hey, here's a third party that recommends you have a procedure and this is what it might look like. And then we can go about and solving it. But ISBEO has been great, FOQA, ASAP, and then just the, the networking through our roundtable that we're not the first ones to go through this and we're not going to be the last. And so being able to rely on our peers has really been helpful. So Chris, what advice do you have for others working in aviation in building and maintaining a professional attitude, particularly in our current environment? So to me, the Tony Kern Award is part of its networking, but it's being a role model. I actually got an email this weekend. My, my parents' friend, they have a son going to Murrido, and I guess he's struggling. But it's part of being a professional and reaching out to that next generation that I think a lot of us might have pictures. Maybe we don't anymore. Social media, it's easier to see now. But all of us have, at some point, went to a cockpit of an airplane. And it's that individual who took that time out of their day. You know, they might have been tired. It might have been six legs. We don't really know but they took time out of their day to share what they do and their craft. And so I, I think it's really things like that. Also, we're gonna continue our internship program. Raytheon would typically do a semester one. United Technologies would typically do one that was only a week, but we're gonna have some sort of combination. And you know that's gonna take care of the pilot group also for maintenance um, that we've typically done one over the summer with the aviation A&P school that's nearby. So I really think being a professional and that networking, the next generation is really important. Mitch? Well, we have a different environment right now, but the principles are largely the same. Judgment is really key to what we do, and leadership is is huge. And that's what Tony really talked about. He, he talked about 
establishing some sort of protocols so that you can improve your judgment and working in an environment where leadership supports that. And we don't ever want to forget that. We don't want to reduce it to a matrix. We don't want to uh, make it a mathematical equation. We want to train people and value their experience and empower them to make smart decisions. Explore ways to expand into a, a part of our industry that's perhaps a little different discipline. Try to focus on your skills that you can sharpen with what you've got available if you're not flying. So really, being part of a community is a big, big part of it. Not being able to see people, perhaps not being able to get together is not limiting how we interact. Not, many of us are interacting on social media and YouTube and Zoom calls, and those tools remain powerful. Uh, they may not be the top of our toolkit, but they're very, very helpful. And if we listen and learn from each other, that's what you have to do as a professional to continue to move forward. Chris and Mitch, you guys nailed it perfectly. Um, I teach at MSU Denver in their aviation department. So I teach aircraft systems and propulsion. I teach aviation fundamentals and commercial operations. So I have these brand new students coming right out of high school. They're all doughy-eyed, still, you know, in love with aviation, but they're they're questioning their their decision right now. Uh, we were all flying when 9/11 was happening. Um, so I remember I remember the headlines, and I remember I remember specifically being told that aviation will never be the same that the images of those airplanes being used for weapons were, were seared into our psyche and that the public would just not choose to fly again. Those of us that have been in it for a while, we know that we're going to have these ups and downs. Um, we're going to get a handle on this pandemic. And the irony of it that I'm seeing, um, if you look at the economics of it and you look at the attrition charts, we are setting ourselves up nicely again for another pilot shortage. If we can get this vaccine rolled out and if it's effective, we can get ourselves back on track. And in about 24 months, we'll be looking at a situation where we do not have enough qualified pilots again. So I'm definitely reminding my students to hang in there. Um, you got to look at the, the big big picture of aviation. Um, you got to be in it for the long haul. Most every pilot that I know has experienced a furlough or a layoff or a firing or uh, flight department mergers. Um, something in your career is going to happen that you're not expecting it. This is just one of those things and just hang in there. And just like what Chris and Mitch were saying, it's important to not get soured um, on our profession. It, it can happen. We can get tired. It's fatiguing. Um, you can have a rough week with crew, crew scheduling. But it's important to remember that spirit of aviation that you used to have, that spirit that's coming into my classroom. I want to be able to maintain that um, even um, with all this adversity around them. So being able to reach back and help that, that next pilot is the best way to be a professional in this world. In addition to today's guests, the other recipients of the 2020 Dr. Tony Kern Professionalism in Aviation Award are Sean Breen, Cheryl Clark, Jeff Duncan, Terry Ickes, Brett Palmiero, and Nicholas Tralia. Congratulations to them all, and if you'd like to learn more about this award and for tips on maintaining a professional mindset in your business aviation career, visit nba.org professionalism. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store, wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and join us next week for a new episode of Flight Plan. Flight Plan.